0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. What's happening, everybody? Still hanging on by a thread a little bit here. The voice is weak, but the will is strong. I'm expecting to have a full strength back by Monday. Surely that's the least I can ask after battling through this godforsaken cough and laryngitis all damn week. Good lord. I did finally get smart and uh, grabbed this much larger mug of water. Big ol' Cal Berkeley mug. This should last me a little deeper into the show. The chat room is open for those that are watching live. I make zero promises about Uh, how many questions I get to, if any, because, folks, I've been pushing it a little bit too hard, kind of redlining here, doing hour-long plus shows with laryngitis. This is kind of stupid. It's a little stupid. At some point, I got to just take a minute to get the damn voice right. But in any event, we're here now. Welcome to the show. It's Fantasy NBA Today. It's a big Week in Review Friday show, one of my favorites to do every week, I put the thread out on Twitter beforehand so that everybody knows generally what we're going to be getting to. I realize now as I just launched the live show that I forgot to create a uh, Microsoft Word document that I can display on the screen. So I'm going to try to do that actually while I'm talking to you guys. But quickly preview of what we got going on this week. Uh, You guys know the big weekend review show. This is how this works. We'll be looking through anything that happened over the last seven days, basically. I realize sometimes this can be uh, an ever-so-slightly confusing way of doing things because some of the players listed in, say, the ads category, because we're going to go through the ads, the holds, the guys that are either drops or very, very close to being drops. Um, you've got the watch list guys, You've got some injury replacement guys. We're starting to build that board out. Uh, we've got the buy lows. We've got the sell highs. All that stuff can feel maybe a little bit, I don't want to say, a few names at least will be will feel a little bit obsolete because they might have been guys that were ads on Monday. But again, this is a week in review show. So we're looking at everything that happened over the course of the week. Got it? Good. That means that if you hear a name when you're like, this guy's already been doing this thing for four days, keep that to yourself because I know I already know. But I wanted to go through everything that's happened over this last stretch and kind of reset where we are from a fantasy standpoint. Hopefully that makes sense. I won't do this intro every Friday as the season progresses, but I know we're still getting uh, new viewers, new listeners every week right now, so I want to make sure that folks kind of know what they're getting into with this show. I am Dan Vesperis. You can find me over on social at Dan Vesperis. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. It is imperative that you guys locate me over there because there are so many things that I can do during the day and over the weekend where we don't have podcasts that I simply can't do as fast here via the spoken or a viewable word. So uh, definitely do find me over on social media. Let's dive in now. Uh, I think we've set the stage quite enough. And this is our weekend review show for week two, the ads. Let's talk about them one by one. And I also wanted to mention, I, I know I said we were getting right into it. Folks on Twitter are always sort of coming back at me like, blah, blah, blah. What, what do you mean this guy's in this this category? This is why I really want folks to watch the show because I can provide a certain context here on the program here that you can't when you're just typing a name on Twitter. Ad number one this week is Jalen Suggs. I've actually been really impressed with what he's done uh, so far this year. And for me, it's it's been a pretty big surprise. I know his game yesterday was not good. He was in foul trouble early, and he just sort of never bounced back from it. Ended up His minutes ended up largely going to uh, Cole Anthony, And I think we saw a little bit extra out of Joe Ingles, although that had something to do with Gary Harris going down. But this happens sometimes. Markel Fultz was hurt. Cole Anthony got really hot. Suggs got himself into foul trouble, and he just sort of never really bounced back from that. The beauty of Jalen Suggs, though, is that he's basically the league leader in the NBA in deflections right now. He's basically everywhere. So, yeah, six points, four boards, three assists, but four steals and a perfect four out of four at the free throw line. I know he missed his shots. I don't really care. If the bottom for him now is sort of like a DeLon Wright type of line, which is starting to be what we're seeing here, then that gives him that top 100 floor that he just didn't have in the past. Because right now, Suggs is still only averaging 25 and a half minutes per game, 10 points, five and a half boards, two assists, two steals, and half a block. He's shooting 37%, which is a number one would assume that comes up for him hasn't yet missed a free throw this year, which, you know, a number that we can also safely assume is going to come down. I don't know. I mean, it's it's safe to assume, I think, that steals are going to come down from two. That's not a, a thing that's going to be sticking throughout the season. But also, uh, I don't know that they're going to fall all the way down to some low number. Like, if Sugg is playing full minutes, which he's not quite at right now, but if he's getting to full minutes he's going to be a 1.4 or more steals guy because that's just the way he's built. He's everywhere. Next name on the ads board is Karis Levert, who I briefly had on the injury replacement board for today's show because, yes, his numbers do get significantly better when uh, guys like Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell, or both, are out. But he's played, I think, well enough to be rostered even when the team is healthy. Now, the problem, of course, with LaVert is that percentages kill him. He's at 39% from the field right now. He's at 54% at the free throw line. We can safely assume neither one of those numbers is going to hold where they are. That's why he's outside the top 130. The other stuff he's done so far has actually been marvelous. Five assists, 20 points, three three three-pointers a game. Turnovers only at one5 The field goal and free throw percent are not going to be good for him. They're not going to be positives. But he's also not going to be too basically, you know, among the worst in the league at both throughout the entire season. Field goal percent is going to get up into the low to mid-40s. Free throw percent is probably going to get up into the low 70s, maybe mid-70s in a delightful universe, but I don't think we can expect that. If you adjust for that right now, then he's very much been a fantasy value. You also have to adjust for the fact that he won't get 19 shots a game when the team is fully healthy. But he's running that second unit, and we saw him play really well down the stretch last year, so I'm willing to take a shot on him kind of hanging in there, and so Karis LeVert is an ad right now for me. I may be getting out in a little bit in front of things with this one, but I put Josh Richardson on the ad board, and he's nowhere near fantasy relevant right now. So let's make sure that everybody is uh, fully aware As I say his name out loud, this is not like a you got to go race out and pick him up kind of thing, because you're not racing against anyone. Nobody else is chasing down Josh Richardson in this exact moment. But Miami gave him 30 minutes off the bench yesterday. Yesterday? Two days ago. Sorry. Doesn't matter. The days all blur together. Now that we're at day 11 of the season, it's officially the grind. Nothing beyond that really matters. I'd like to draw everybody's attention to basically the final. I said like maybe a month or so last year. It wasn't even maybe necessarily that long, but it was a stretch of time late last year when Richardson got a chance to play a little bit more. Maybe it was like right around. Let's even go to the game log and figure this thing out on the fly. So I'm not kind of hand waving my way through this this explanation on on Jay Rich. He's not the guy he used to be. So let's get that out of our minds. He's not the Josh Richardson of his early days in Miami, even though he's now, you know, officially back in Miami. But there was a stretch, like it was right around the trade deadline. I think he was actually still in crap. Where the hell? I mean, I forget how many teams he bounced around with last year. San Antonio was in the mix. New Orleans was in the mix. What the hell order did this all happen? And I think it was San Antonio right before the trade deadline. And you'll excuse me because I'm trying to keep a lot of thoughts straight in my brain. And sometimes they get flip-flopped. And then briefly, I think even after the trade to New Orleans. So he sort of got showcased right before the deadline. And he put up pretty big numbers for the Spurs. And then after the deadline, the Pelicans utilized him as kind of a de facto point guard for a week or two while they were waiting to get Brandon Ingram back. And then once he got back, yes, obviously the job for Richardson decreased considerably. And as the team got healthier and healthier, then he didn't really have to do as much. But the point of this discussion is to point out the games where he actually got some significant playing time. Let's play the, what does Jay Rich do when he sees 28 minutes or more game? And it happened more than a handful of times last year. Very rarely early in the season. He had a couple of games like, right as the year started, where he posted 11 points and 10 assists with a couple of steals and a block. He had a 30-minute game. This is in late October of last season. 12 points, 5 boards, 6 assists, a couple of threes and a steal. And then he didn't crack 28 minutes again until January 4th, where he went for 20 points, 3 boards, 4 assists and a steal. Anyway, the dialogue goes on like this. Basically, not every single time, but basically... Every time Jay Rich got 28 minutes or more last year, which I'm classifying as starter-level minutes, about 7 minutes out of 12 per quarter, he posted strong fantasy lines. Both situations, San Antonio, New Orleans, either side of that ledger, he found his way to good fantasy numbers when he saw 28 minutes. He got 30 minutes for Miami two days ago, and he was terrible but with the caveat that his terrible was because he shot 1 for 9. He had 3 boards, 3 assists, a steal and a three-pointer while shooting 1 for 9. If we adjust for the fact that over his career and obviously you can't, you know, you can't always make 43% of your shots in a given night, but over the course of his career he's been a 43% shooter, 37% from three-point land. And this year, so far in his two games, he's shooting 25% from the field and 14% from downtown. You worry about the minutes, not the percentages right now. You know what they're going to end up being. So if you adjust for that, that puts him closer to, well, not quite four out of nine in their last ball game, which is what he did in his first game, by the way. He went three for seven only played 23 minutes in that one, six points, three boards, two assists. You're not going to worry about that. We're talking about 28 minutes or more. If he's really going to get nine shots per game in 28 minutes or more, maybe that number actually increases as he settles in. Call it 10. He's going to get three rebounds, just being on the court for 28 minutes. He's going to get three assists, just being on the court for 28 minutes. And historically, when he plays starters minutes, He's a 1 to 1.2 steals guy, and he's close to half a block as well. I also assume he'll be around two three-pointers per game because a lot of his shots are coming from that neck of the woods. So now we're starting to look at somebody who's more like a dozen points. Three boards, three assists, 1.2 steals, two three-pointers. That's a guy that's inside the top 100. He's not blowing the roof off the building. This isn't like a, oh, pick up Josh Richardson, he's going to be a top 60 guy. No, don't take that out of context. Someone's going to snip that. I'm saying, no, that's not what's going to happen. But we're already at a part of the season, end of the second week, where the guys that are exploding onto the scene, the, the folks that come out of nowhere to be top 75, those guys are probably dried up by now. So I think this is worth a look to see what happens. Gordon Hayward is the next name on the list. Uh, he's been an ad since late last week, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. This is one where you just see what happens until and through a return of Miles Bridges. Maybe Hayward keeps his value. Maybe he doesn't. Who cares? Pick him up. See what happens. Christian Wood is one that is... Uh, he got drafted in a lot of spots and then got dropped in a lot of spots when he played you know, a dozen minutes the first couple games of the year. His roster ship is still at 39%, so it didn't completely tank after a few really bad ball games, But over his last two, both Laker wins, by the way, he's had the best plus-minus of anybody on the team over those two ball games, And he's done it by playing within himself and within a Lakers setup in a way that we just haven't really seen Christian Wood do in the past. He's always been a guy that's just tried to go out there and get his. And it finally caught up with him, where the league was like, this guy's not a good teammate. He's out there to just go get his points and boards, and he doesn't really care what's going on. He's bought in in L.A. so far. Now, a lot of things can change over the course of a year, but he's earning his minutes, and over the last two ballgames, he's averaging 9.5 points, 10 rebounds, 2 blocks, and 1.5 three-pointers. That's worth a shot to see if it sticks. The Lakers are missing Rui Hachimura. That's been helpful. They're missing Jared Vanderbilt. That's been helpful for Wood. They're missing... Gabe Vincent, which, believe it or not, does have sort of like a triple trickle-up effect where the Lakers are more likely to go big. But it's also just been a good lineup at the end of the day. And I watch these games closely. I watch Lakers Laker games more closely than others because I am a Laker fan. I like to think that I kind of cover them a little bit in my own brain. And it's been a good look. Lakers go out on a road trip starting tomorrow. We'll get a little more confirmation there, although I think we know Gabe Vincent's out for a couple of weeks. We might see Hachimura back for a game pretty soon, um, so maybe we'll get a little more clarity there. And then Vanderbilt, his return—what does that mean? But Torian Prince left their last ball game as well. Almost forgot about that. So uh, I'd say add Christian Wood and kind of see how that plays out. And the last one I'm putting on the ads board is DeAndre Hunter. And I admit I'm I'm very slow on this one because I don't believe he's going to shoot 55% for an entire season. He's probably not also going to have one and a half steals for an entire season because historically his steal rate is more like about 0.8.9 in starters minutes. So yes, those numbers are coming down. And with them, when the field goal percent dips back down, you'll see the scoring come back towards 15 or 16 instead of 18. You'll see the steals come down to more like one, if you want to call it that. Also, I guess we could assume his blocks might actually come up a tiny bit. Uh, He's taking more three-pointers, and he's hitting them at a good clip, which we can call a good thing. But I'd also point out that the start of this season reminds me a little bit of his start of his season back in 2020 when Hunter was at 15 points, five boards, two assists, 1.3 defensive stats, and a little under one and a half three-pointers, a game on 86% free-throw shooting as well, and 48% from the field. And if you recall, then he went down for a really long stretch in injury. He was inside the top 80 that year. So, no, I don't think DeAndre Hunter is going to be what he's been so far, which is top 40. That's not sticking. But top 80, top 100 is still a possibility. So, I'm calling him an ad with the hopes that understanding the bottom is going to fall out a little bit. We just hope it doesn't fall all the way out. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize... Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. Maybe like he stumbles backwards down about two or three steps as opposed to falling through a trap door. Next thing on the board is holds. I will take just a brief moment to remind everybody to please go find me over on social at Dan Vesperus, And please like rate if you're listening to this pod, or subscribe no matter where you're taking in this information. The subscription button is the ultimate in thank you for me because this podcast, this podcast has been free for six and a half years now, and I'm praying that we never have to change that. The way we can keep that going is subscriptions. Drive the subscriber number up, hit the like button on whatever you're doing, Leave nice reviews over on iTunes, on Spotify. That's how we can continue to grow and afford to keep this thing free. So, please, whatever you can do on that front, it really does mean a whole heck of a lot. Let's get back into this thing. I made my face too small. Not that I want my face to be big on the YouTube side. I don't, but that was a little bit too small. Uh, Let's start on the holds board, and this is actually a really long one because I, I think this is the week of the hold, We made a lot of ads during week one. Week two is when we figure out which of them actually belongs still on your team. Kelly Oubre. This one I don't think deserves that much breakdown. But uh, we heard from Nick Nurse that he's going to start here in the immediate term following the James Harden trade. But they did get four power forwards. And they like having Oubre come off the bench as a small forward gunner type. So expect him to shift back to a bench roll at some point. I'm not worried about it when he does. What I'd like to note is who ends up in the starting lineup. But it doesn't sound like we're going to get that for a couple of ball games. De'Anthony Melton remains a hold on my board. He is very much off to a bad start in almost every respect. And yet, at the same time, he's still fantasy playable. Not good right now, but playable while shooting 28%. If you basically just adjust for that shooting percentage, then he's a top 100 guy. Because he'll get up to about 41% probably by the end of the year. You know, eight, eight and a half shots. I actually expect his minutes to trend in the right direction. Maybe, maybe not. Anyway, as the shots start to fall, he'll go from one three-pointer to one and a half or two. The scoring will come up with it. It's the sort of the rising tide thing with him. And I realize he's more of a steals specialist that then sort of tries not to bludgeon you in too many other categories. And maybe you don't need a ton of steals at the end of your roster. But I think he's going to be a whole heck of a lot better than he is right now. So he's a hold. I'm a little bit worried about what all these new guys coming in will do because not that they play his same position, but it could force guys down If Patrick Beverly's having a good ball game, he would play more. Oubre could take minutes from Melton. It's not such a sure bet as it was when uh, the only guy involved in this trade was P.J. Tucker that was actually playing. Now they brought four guys in that could all be a part of the mix. So this is not an indefinite hold, but it's certainly a hold for now. Ah, I put Isaiah Stewart on this board, and I'm really not fully sold on that because as he's playing 34 minutes a game, and he's actually ranked behind the Anthony Melton by two slots. They're basically right next to each other in the 150 range. And I just don't know what Stewart's going to do that's a whole lot better than what he's doing right now, other than kind of crossing my fingers and praying that he gets a couple of defensive stats. I'm, I may advocate a drop on Stewart by this time next week. I just want to give it a little bit longer to see if some of those defensive stats come around. And I don't know that they will. It's never really been his main attraction on the defensive side. He's a power forward on this team now. He's not a center, so you can't bank on him just like being near the bucket. When he first came into the league as a center, he was blocking a shot and a half per game. Now he's at half a block per game. And I get it. There's a lot of variance on that, so it's possible that it bounces back. That is that is why I would like to give him a little bit longer, because 13 points and 8.5 and rebounds don't grow on trees, and he's hitting one and a half three three-pointers on top of it. But I just can't justify a guy who's a negative in every other category besides rebounds. Yeah, I mean, that's the end of that thought, really. Uh, unless the blocks can get over, call it one. I need to get him to one block per game, and that'll keep him on my roster. But so far, he hasn't all really been all that close to it. Herb Jones was someone that I was contemplating moving on from or plopping into a streaming slot. And then he had the biggest game of his entire life last night. And uh, yeah, so obviously he's a hold now. His job, you know, they were missing Zion. They were missing Brandon Ingram for that one. So that was a really big part of it for Herb. I just got to see him do stuff when the team is healthy. And at the same time, we also all need to understand that this team is never healthy. It's kind of the Trey Murphy situation, but just for Herb instead. And by the way, Trey Murphy also not healthy right now. So there are three guys that were out for that last ballgame. That's what it took to get Herb Jones to actually go do something on offense. Please do more, Herb. We got more holds. Don't worry, we got plenty more. And that YouTuber saw me just flip a page. Max Struess is a hold. I I talk about him every single day. This is a guy who has shot holds horrifically so far. He's at 35% from the field, and he's still inside the top 90. Because he's rebounding, he's assisting, he's still hitting threes somehow, he's getting some steals, he's getting some blocks, he's a great foul shooter. When the field goal percent comes around to whatever it is, I don't know that we actually know what his field goal percent is going to end at this year. You can't just point to what he was in Miami because his job is very different here. But career, Max Druse is at 42.5%. Last year he was at 41, previous year he was at 44. His role is a lot bigger this season. He's taking nine three-pointers a game, but he's also shooting only 31% from downtown after being more of a 37% three-point shooter in the previous two seasons, maybe even more like 38. So that's a really big deal. I mean, if this dude's taking nine three-pointers a game, he has a real legitimate shot to get close to three and a half threes. I mean, that's crazy. That's a lot. It's Clay Thompson esque, but he rebounds better. Now I expect the rebounds will come down when Jared Allen returns, because right now he's sort of he's fighting with Evan Mobley and then a bunch of guards basically for rebounds. So that's not a number that's going to hold. Uh, it's hard to see the blocks holding where they are for Struce also, because he really didn't get any in Miami. But rebounds, blocks come down. Field goal percent, scoring threes all go up. Expect this to be a balancing act for him. He to me remains a pretty easy call as a rest of season guy. So don't abandon ship there. Cam Thomas, I don't know why I put him on here. I don't think anybody is contemplating a drop there, especially not while Cam Johnson is out. Uh, but he did have a terrible shooting last ball game, and you know eventually he's going to wreck your field goal percent. So just be aware of that. I put the a a note on this next one. Folks, this is the last time I'm going to say this. Onyeka Okongwu is a hold all season long. I don't care if there's a game where he plays 19 minutes. I don't care. At some point, Clint is going to miss a game. And then is going to go completely crazy. And guess what? In the meantime, you know what he's ranked right now? 73. And he's done it without getting defensive stats so far. This is not debatable. Sadiq Bay and Jalen Johnson are also each on my holds list. I went heavy on the Atlanta Hawks holds right now. Bay got slotted back into the starting lineup when he's in there. He can probably eke his way into the top 100. Jalen Johnson moved back to the bench. Interestingly, those two guys are ranked 90 and 91 per game so far this year. So by rank... Tells you what you need to know. They should both be on rosters. It's not really clear what direction either of them goes from this point, which is why they are holds. Easy peasy. KCP is a hold. He's going to have big games. He's going to have slow games. It's going to bounce around. But guess what? He's number 57 right now. So the fact that I have to even talk about it is upsetting. Brandon Miller is a hold. You guys know I'm not super into rookies, but he's number 111. I'd like to just see where it goes. He may end up as a drop, especially as the Hornets get some of their injured guys back slash suspended guys back. But he's at 16 points, six rebounds, 47% from the field, 83 at the free throw line. So he's not really hurting you. He hasn't really gotten any defensive stats, and we don't fully know if they're going to come around. But again, you're a week and a half into the season. You can't just assume they won't. So stick with Brandon Miller. See how it shakes out. If we end up dropping him at some point, fine. Uh, but it wouldn't be now. Derek Lively the second, and maybe I should have put him on the injury replacement board, because his numbers came around when Maxi Kleba went down. Lively has a very interesting fantasy game. Uh he rebounds, he actually passes all right from the center spot, steals, and blocks. He's shooting 79% from the field right now, but he's also only shooting forty-four percent at the free throw line. Kind of a punt free throw number to this point. We don't know how that's going to play out. I think we can assume 79% from the field is probably coming down at some point this year. Will the playing time trend up? Will it trend down? Will it stay the same? Is it going to be based on injured guys around him? He may end up as a drop, but we'll put him in the hold department for now just to kind of see a little bit longer how these things play out. And then Xavier Tillman, who is more of a spot play guy. Honestly, he's number 161 right now, which is not good. But he's also only shooting 37%, which isn't going to hold. And we've seen his minutes bounce around based on the opposition. So far, anytime the Grizzlies have played a team with a, I don't want to say ball dominant, but like a scoring threat big man, he's been a part of the mix. When they've played teams that want to space you out and just use their center as a defender or a role man or a three-point shooter, Tillman hasn't played. You could use him like that, or you could drop him and let somebody else deal with that nonsense. I actually don't care. I have no problem with you guys deciding that Tillman is too much of a headache. I'll leave him on the holds board for now, because again, we're only a week and a half into the season. Memphis hasn't made a full decision there. But look, Santi Aldama is still out. That's going to be a problem, because if they want to go smaller, that's another opportunity. They could play him power forward, JJJ center, and kind of alternate who's dealing with what. Does Tillman end up as a top 100 play all season long? Eh, I thought maybe at the beginning of the year. I'm thinking probably a little bit outside that mark now, and uh, but I want to give it a little bit longer to see what the next what is the next step here for Mr. Tillman. The I'm scared or nervous or drops board is next. I know there's a lot of caveats there, but I got in trouble last season when I just called these guys flat drops. When there is a little bit more nuance to that. And the nuance is. That some of these guys are very close to drops. And I wanted to get them on the board somewhere today to talk about. But I couldn't figure out where to fit them. Other than to just expand the drops category to meaning a little bit more. Anyway, let's get into them. These are the uh, guys that are either droppable or very close to. Gary Trent Jr., It feels to me like the Raptors, he's not part of their plans. And that is kind of reason enough. Now, an injury or two would change that, but that's why we have the injury replacement board. Paul Reed. Sorry, everybody. We all took a shot on him at pick 140 in drafts. It's not happening. Unless you want to wait for the Joel Embiid rest game, which... I don't know, man. I think Embiid wants to play for the most part. They'll find some games to give him a break here and there, and then that'll be a day where you want to roll Paul Reed out there. But I don't think you need to sit on him the whole damn season for those nights. That, again, is what the injury replacement board is for. Basically, all the Pacers' wings is the next name on this list, besides Bruce Brown. I'm going to hold on to Bruce. I think he's got a kind of 95-range fantasy game for this year. But uh, Buddy Heald is a luxury stash at this point. Benedict Matherin, I don't know if he's ever going to get anything else in his fantasy game besides free throw shooting and a couple of rebounds here and there. Doesn't seem like they trust any of the other guys to give them full minutes like Obi Toppin, Aaron Neesmith, Andrew Nemhard, blah, 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 blah. The list goes all the way down. It's the same crap as last year, so why bother? My buddy Dylan Wright, I have, uh, he's not in the drops list yet. He's more in the I'm scared list. We need to see the Wizards play a damn competitive ball game because it feels like DeLon Wright's going to see more playing time when the game matters. But the Wizards aren't playing games that matter right now. Every damn game for them, seemingly, is decided by the middle of the third quarter. At some point, they're going to play a game where the score is a little bit tighter. I think that Memphis game was a little bit closer and Indy kind of blew things open a little later in the third quarter, but like Atlanta they fell apart early in the third. Boston, they were done by halftime. Indy was like kind of half done. If you want to see, like, look at Jordan Poole's minutes. He only cleared thirty minutes in the game against Memphis, which tells you all you need to know. That's the only game they've played where they felt like it was a competitive winnable ball game late. And they did. They won it. But also we don't really know what their rotations are gonna look like in a game in a in a multiple games in a row, where they are actually in the mix. So let's stick it out a little bit longer on the DeLon Wright freight train and see what his job actually is going to be for this team. Slow-mo, I'm worried. He's not a drop yet either. I'm a little bit worried. We haven't really seen him with the same role he had last year, and I wonder if some of that is because Mike Conley exists, where you know, if you go to the game log, and a lot of what he did last year was with some guys out, but even once Cat came back last season, Slow Mo was still putting up good fantasy lines. This year, uh, the rebounds are down. The assists are still okay, but you know, he only had two in the last ball game. And he only cleared 25 minutes, only only cleared 26 minutes one time. That was the season opener. And that was the game where he had a line that we were looking for, which was seven points, nine boards, five assists, and a couple of steals. That's basically what we're gunning for with Slow Mo. He hasn't needed to do more than that. And now Jaden McDaniels is back also. Uh, so I do think there's a chance that Slowmo ends up as a waiver wire guy. I want to give it just a little bit longer. And so he's uh, hang on just a little bit before we get to drop. And then Kobe White kind of snuck his name on the last page here. Uh, of the, They flipped it over on YouTube. Kobe White's a drop. I don't need to wait any longer. This is how I felt basically going into the year. His fantasy game has never been good for 9Cat. He's number 274, and I know what you're going to say, Danny's shooting 31%. Aren't you a fan of normalizing that type of number? Yeah, it doesn't matter. If you add 10% to his field goal percent and, and, you know, two points, he's still not a fantasy play because he gets no steals and no blocks and doesn't make that many three-pointers. There just ain't enough there. Sorry, Kobe White. Peace. Here's some watch list names, as I remind you guys once again to please like, rate, and subscribe. Uh, And for those that have joined us here after the fact, the chat room is open, but I don't know that I'm going to get through that many of them because I really need to give my voice a little bit of time off. If you've been watching this show over the last few days, you've heard that I sound uh, a bit gravelly. It's probably the kindest way to put it, and I just need some recovery time. I did bring a much larger water jug today. And I'm hoping that allows us to power to our normal distance. Uh, But we'll see. Watch list: The new power forwards in Philly. Let's find out if anybody actually gets slotted in. They each got one minute just to sort of touch the floor with their foot. See if it was warm or cold. Uh, I think some of those guys will see more playing time as we go forward. We just don't know who yet. Marcus Sasser and Alec Burks in Detroit. I think when Burks comes back, we might see Sasser slow a little bit. But let's keep an eye on both of them. Drew Eubanks in Phoenix. He's been a watch list guy since the fantasy run-up, you know, back in the draft season, because there is always this fear that Yusuf Nurkic can't keep up, particularly once the Suns have their offense back, meaning when Bradley Beal gets back in there and they can slot in somebody who's able to score and replace whoever these veterans minimums goobers are on the team – Will they need Yusuf Nurkic in the first unit, or will they then start to prefer Drew Eubanks with some back-end defense and you know rim-running attacking kind of stuff? We'll see. I don't think it's reason to panic. I know Eubanks outplayed Nurk yesterday. I wouldn't panic on it yet if you have Nurkic, but it is always a little bit of a reason that you know Nurk's going to be looking over his shoulder. There's someone in his rear view because Eubanks is pretty good. Josh Hart is on the watch list. I came pretty close to putting him on the ads board or the injury replacement board because he got a bunch of minutes when R.J. Barrett went down. But I still want to see the minute trend for Hart when the Knicks are healthy. And it seemed like it was trending up a tiny bit in the last ball game before R.J. Barrett got hurt. But I need to see it again when R.J.'s back. Or do we just pick up Josh Hart, call him an ad as an injury replacement ad, and then at least you've got him in case the minutes actually stick? Hey, we cracked the 100 live viewers mark as we cleared Josh Hart. Nas Reed is on the watch list because, damn it, I am always going to be watching Nas Reed. So far this year, he is actually inside the top 100, mostly because he's hitting two three-pointers and shooting 56% from the field. He just does his fantasy stuff so fast. Good Lord, I wanted him traded or to sign with a team that was going to give him a reliable 25 26 minutes a night he's averaging 24 with minnesota one of those it's largely because of one big ball game and he's been down around 19 20 in most of the other ones good lord i love Nas Reed so much i just want any excuse to pick him up and roll him out there so if you wanted to you could probably do it uh he's 49% rostered now so that number's been Pretty quickly on the rise after not his most recent ball game, but the the couple before that. But I, I tell you, man, there are just very few bigs that do what he does as efficiently as he does it. It's crazy. He has a great fantasy game, and I I just don't know if we can trust it day in and day out. But damn it, I really want to put Nas Reed on my teams. And this is why I want people watching this show because people on Twitter are going to see Nasreed on the watch list. They're not going to be able to to feel my heart being pulled towards his name. Like, I just want to lean towards my computer screen and touch Nasreed's name because I really do think that you could put him on your roster now and you wouldn't feel bad about it. I don't think you'd regret it. Dylan Brooks is on my watch list. He's an ads board guy in a lot of formats. Not as much for me because he's shooting 60% from the field right now. And we know that number is going to take an absolute nosedive for a career forty-one and a half percent shooter. He's way out over his skis. His usage is lower than it was in Memphis last year. He took thirteen and a half shots. The year before that, he took sixteen and a half. But, you know, his scoring is up from last year because he's shooting twenty damn percent better. He's also at 1.8 steals per game after being typically in starters minutes more like a 1.1, 1.2 guy. But, I mean, maybe Houston is playing a helter... I mean, Memphis played a pretty helter-skelter way. I don't think that number sticks anywhere higher than 1.2, 1.3. The assists, the rebounds are pretty repeatable. The free throw percent is at 88%. I expect that to be no higher than 85. That's the career high for him. And, guys... Dude is shooting 63% from three. It's all taking a nosedive for Dylan Brooks. So if you want to ride the heater, have at it. But he's on my watch list because I just don't believe this is going to happen. Alex Caruso is on my watch list because day in and day out, I just keep praying that Billy Donovan's going to give him enough minutes to be a reliable fantasy guy. Uh, hasn't happened yet, but doesn't mean it won't. Grant Williams in Dallas. Roto-T's Grant Williams. That's the best way I can think to describe him. He's number 102, which puts him firmly right on the game's cap cut line. But he is hitting four three-pointers a game right now. And if he could ever show his damn face in the defensive stats department, that would get him on rosters in a heartbeat. Problem, of course, is that Grant Williams is not a defensive stats guy. He's never played 31 minutes a game before. So presumably 0.3 and 0.3 will get better. I mean, if you look at his Boston days, he was playing 25 minutes a game last year. He was at 0.5 and 0.4. He was at 24 minutes the year before that. He was at 0.5 and 0.7. I think we can safely assume the defensive stats are going to get to at least half and half. But I think we can probably also assume he's not going to shoot 55% from three. 41%, maybe. Maybe. So, which thing matters more, the defensive stats going up or the three point percent coming down? They probably balance each other out. He probably ends up right around 100 to 110, which is playable in a lot of formats and not playable barely in others. Do what you will with that information. And then Derek Jones, uh, who's quietly having some really good ball games in Dallas, and uh, nobody's talking about it, probably because none of us believe that it's going to continue. And we have a lot of reasons to believe that that's the case, and he hasn't really worked his way onto fantasy radars yet because his overall numbers remain very bad. But all of a sudden, he's posting numbers, like really legitimately out of nowhere. Now he's number 262 on the year because he's done nothing other than score 11 points per game and add to that... Zippo, does he even have a defensive stat so far this year? No, not one. Not even one. But over his last two ball games, and maybe some of it is Kyrie-related, he scored 22 points and 17 points. He's hit seven three-pointers over those. So that's why he's on the watch list. He's not an ad. If he was an ad, I'd put him in the ads board. If he's a watch list guy, i put him in the watch list board. It's pretty straightforward. That's the watch list board, by the way. Injury replacement board, which I admit, I kind of screwed this thing up here by, let's see if I can move it on to the next page. Ah, darn it, I couldn't get it to move on to the next page. The injury replacement board, for those watching on YouTube, is on the following page that I'll flip over on the screen. But for everybody listening, you don't know what I'm talking about, and it doesn't matter. Mo Wagner, and this is sort of burying the lead. He should be one of the first things you do because Wendell Carter Jr. broke a finger last night and is expected to miss at least three weeks, maybe more. Possi- I would assume more, but I don't know. We'll see. And Wagner is a guy that, like Nas Reed, can actually put up fantasy value pretty quickly. Does this guarantee he's going to get all the center minutes? It does not. But 24 minutes of Mo is probably enough to get him in that 115 range. Anything beyond that is kind of fantasy gravy. So roll with it. Cole Anthony. Guys, did you notice I haven't had to stop the show for a massive coughing fit today? That's a really big step for me. Cole Anthony, because Markel Fultz and Gary Harris were both out in the last ball game. Harris was in the middle of it. But Anthony would stand to benefit, and I didn't put Joe Ingalls on there because I just don't think that he has the lift anymore. Not that he ever really had lift, but he had sort of guile. And now he's just so slow after all these injuries and age kicking in that it's not worth that exploration. But Cole Anthony and, and Jalen Suggs, who's on the ads board, those guys would benefit a lot if Fultz and Harris miss additional time. And then Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, with Nick Claxton out, has had himself a really good fill-in week. This injury board, by the way, will grow. But what I like to do is play it kind of safe. Now, I always talked about uh, we've talked about it this year. we talked about it in seasons past. I don't like to do a lot of streaming the first week or two of the season, one of the reasons for that is that we often don't actually know yet what player on a team is going to step up when a guy goes down. Now, sometimes it's obvious. Wendell Carter Jr. went down. We didn't need to know. We didn't need a game to learn that Mo Wagner is a guy who's going to step into more playing time because he's basically the backup center there. There's a one-to-one thing. With Brooklyn... We didn't know Dorian Finney-Smith was going to be the guy to step up. A lot of us, myself included, thought De'Ron Sharp was going to get a shot to be center, but it hasn't been him at all. They've instead gone to the spaced-out mode, letting Ben Simmons handle kind of the cluttering of the lane. Now they only have one guy standing inside, and instead they've gone to sort of a floor-spacing look by playing Dorian Finney-Smith. So if if I had actually said, I'm going to stream this guy, and it would have been Sharp there, it would have pooped all over the place. This is why we wait. We want to see what teams are going to do before we act on it. A couple of by-low names, actually three of them. Walker Kessler, who has been a massive disappointment so far. He's number 162. He did have a better ball game this last time out. Got his season blocks number up to 1.7 with one big one. I think he'll get better. As the year goes on, Utah is still kind of diluting themselves into saying, "Oh yeah, we're gonna, uh, we're definitely gonna be a competitive team all season long this year." They are not. Uh, the Jazz are two and four. Mike Conley being gone, one of the biggest reasons for it. They just don't have anybody to sort of helm the ship. And don't get me started on Taylen Horton Tucker, who will appear in his very own category later in today's show. But yeah, look, like at some point, Kessler's going to get some more minutes. We saw it late last season. So whatever you, we'll try to figure out what we can get him for, and we'll use social media for that. So again, come find me at Dan Bespris over there. We'll run some polls, and we'll figure out what we can make these moves on. The other two by-lows are some really big-name guys. Damian Lillard, who had one gigantic game, and so teams thought they were really in for a beautiful start, and he's been quite bad since then, the last three. He's down to number 59. In 9-cat on the year, scoring only 21 points. You know, the free throws are floating it because he had that 17-for-17 free throw game. But this is not what people expected, even though they probably should have. Because putting two superstars together, two highest usage players on the same team, takes time to sort out. That's just the way it works, ladies and gentlemen. You could also put Giannis on this board, by the way. He's number 166, and some of that is the free-throw side, but some of it is the fact that he's scoring just 24 points with nine rebounds and two and a half assists. Those guys are going to figure it out. Do I know exactly how long it's going to take to get there? I do not. I do not. But I'm willing to bet that it's going to happen. So go get him, and we'll use Twitter for that also to figure out what it's going to cost. Jimmy Butler's the other one. He may be the easiest buy low recommendation I've ever given in my entire life. He's shooting 36% from the field, only 83% on his pretty high-volume free throws, only one steal, only 16.5 points, only 3.5 assists. All of this stuff is going to improve for Butler. Even if you only think he's going to get inside the top 25 He's a massive buy low right now. uh, And we'll again use social media to figure out what that's worth. A couple of sell high guys. Jonas Valanciunas is a sell high. He's gotten off to a really good start this year at top 50. There is zero chance that he stays inside the top 50. Big minutes with Zion resting. He's been able to do a little bit extra in the early going because of no Brandon Ingram, by the way. And you're like, how does that actually impact Jonas Valanciunas? They need more offense when one of their key guys is out. We saw it last year. Uh, when this team is healthy, JV is a little bit of an afterthought. When they play teams that can attack him on defense, he loses his playing time. He does have a better shot to get to inside the top 100 this year than I thought on draft night. I avoided him in basically every format altogether, but ain't no way he's staying near the top 50. So go get what you can for him. And his teammate, CJ McCollum, is a sell high because CJ is number 23 right now. While averaging 24 points, almost four three-pointers, six boards, six assists, one and a half steals, half a block. Uh, And he's managed to do it despite the fact that his percentages are not all that amazing. Do I think he falls all the way back into the 80s or 90s? Maybe not. Uh, Again, with the team healthy, I, I don't think that this type of stuff sticks. See if you can get a top 50 range guy for him. See if you can get a top 60 range guy for him. I think all of that would actually be worthwhile. And finally, the one player in a brand new category I call sigh, I just can't, is Taylon Horton Tucker, who I refuse to believe is going to be worth the headache, although admittedly he did have his best game of the season yesterday, still only got him up to number 145 on the year, the assists and the steals have been pretty good so far, everything else has been pretty bad so far, I don't know that any of that is going to magically turn around, I understand if you want to ride out the Talon Horton Tucker experience to see if he can start to score 15 points a night with the 6 or 7 assists that he's been getting so far with the 1.2, 1.3 steals. Because if those numbers come around, like if he starts to score more like 14, 15, that probably gets him near the top 100. I don't know that three-pointers would be coming along. Free throws I don't expect to get much better. Field goal percent is going to be a problem for him. He's been able to do it so far with turnovers relatively low. That might actually get worse. But I get it because you're chasing the possibility that Taylor Horton tucker figures it out. But again, what are the odds that he just magically figures it out? He's been given starters minutes before, and he still doesn't work in 9-cat. Points leagues, you're going to ride it out. Because his worst categories are the ones that matter less in points formats. I know some points leagues, they do care about percentages a little bit more now than they used to. But that's not the case for all of them. Friends, we have more to discuss. We have more to discuss. And that is the 30-team weekend preview. Good lord. And we're already at 52 minutes. But look, we've we've got things to do here. So let's start working our way through it. We'll start with the seven-game Friday. This is a relatively light Friday. And the reason for that is because the NBA in-season tournament kicks off tonight. I don't think that it's going to change things very much in terms of, you know, who's playing and how much they're playing. But we'll keep a little bit of a watch on things. The uh, Cavaliers are the first team on the board. Uh, Karis LeVert. Uh, I'm not going to repeat myself from things that we talked about from the player breakdowns from earlier, but anything else that's worth monitoring there. So basically, Darius Garland and Jared Allen health status is the additional things you're going to want to monitor on the Cleveland Cavaliers. For Indiana, it's all about the wings. Does anything change there? And Tyrese Halliburton's status is another one. So do we get a TJ McConnell or Andrew Nemhart data? Maybe, maybe not. For the Knicks... We already talked about it. Josh Hart, he's the main thing. You can throw Emmanuel quickly on your watch list as well. Milwaukee, it's all about players settling in. Buy low times on Dame, Giannis, even Brooke Lopez. You can throw him on the buy low board as well. Uh, Warriors, Draymond's impact on CP3 is the main thing we're watching there, but also whether or not Andrew Wiggins is just sort of bad now, which it kind of feels like maybe he just kind of is bad now, but perhaps that's also the time when someone is the maximum buy low. I don't really want Andrew Wiggins, but I get it because he'll be better than this. Thunder, no Shea in this game. We'll get a data point on a future burger board player. Oh, and people keep asking me what the burger board is, and I realize I should probably explain myself. Uh, It's basically the injury replacement streamer board. I assigned players value in burgers last year, where if somebody was an injury replacement they got one burger if they were just good enough to be a start in Roto Games Cap League, two burgers if I thought they could be like top 75 or better, and three burgers if they were top 50 or better type of fill-in for a guy being hurt and out. Wizards, we just need a competitive game. We need some actual data on this team. Miami, we already talked about Josh Richardson. Brooklyn, it's who's, who's in, who's out. Dinwiddie is in. Uh, Cam Johnson still out. Nick Claxon, I believe, still out as well. So, uh, again, it's about burger boards there. For the Bulls, I just need to see this team like each other a little bit. Doesn't seem like they like each other right now, in addition to the Alex Caruso stuff. Grizzlies still looking for a win. This is a spot they could get it. They're three-and-a-half-point road favorites over the, the Blazers, who have been, to this point, frankly, playing better than the Grizzlies. But for Memphis, I'm keeping one eye on Luke Kennard. I didn't put him on the watch list because he's really not that, not that close to being relevant. But if they start to actually give him playing time, uh, an efficient three-point shooter like that could rocket up the boards. Zaire Williams you can put on the sort of fringy watch list as well. For Portland, I think we have a pretty good idea. Scoot is out for a bit, but you know it seemed like the initial move there was just even more Malcolm Brogdon. DeAndre Ayton is one of the weirdest disconnect players in the NBA right now. I saw someone call him a buy low, and he's number 18 in 9-cat. That's a weird buy low wreck, man. Dallas, I think we talked about everything we needed to talk about there. It was Grant Williams, Derek Lively, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s heater, whether Kyrie's going to play. Denver, nothing. Let's go to Saturday. Phoenix, can we please get Bradley Beal in there so we can see what this team is going to look like? Because so far, it really has just been Devin Booker against the universe because KD's kind of floating into the year. We'll see. Nurk versus Eubanks. We already talked about that. Philly, will any of the new guys play? And then what impact does that have on guys like Ubre and DeAnthony Melton? Charlotte, Uh, not much, actually. Very little. Indy, we talked about. Atlanta, we've already covered everything already there. Bay, Johnson, center minute split, all that stuff. Pelicans, who's in, who's out? If Brandon Ingram is back, we we saw Jordan Hawkins have a couple of good ball games, and then he completely disappeared. And then it was Herb Jones in the last one, so it's all about figuring out who actually might step up on a game-to-game. Lakers, we talked about Christian Wood. If anybody comes back for that team, we'll pay attention to them as well. Uh, Orlando, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, same stuff. Mo Wagner. We'll get our first look at whether or not he deserves one burger, two burgers, three or none. Boston, nothing. Brooklyn, we talked about. Sacramento, filling in for De'Aaron Fox. Davion Mitchell had a really good ball game last time out. I don't expect him to hit three threes and have three steals though. So I still kind of lean Malik Monk as the uh, Malik Monk as the guy there. Houston. It seems like the starters are the guys that are relevant, although you guys know I don't trust Jalen Green as far as I can throw him. Utah, oh, THT, and uh oh, Walker Kessler. But no, nothing beyond the board that we talked about earlier. Minnesota, Kyle Anderson is the guy there. Nas Reed is also watchable. We talked about Chicago already. Denver, nothing. And then Sunday, Detroit. They don't play Friday or Saturday, so uh, they're worth exploring all the way into the weekend. Sasser Burks, we talked about earlier in the show, but also Isaiah Stewart and whether or not he actually is worth hanging on to. But again, we're going to give him a few more ball games to see if he gets a couple of blocks here and there. Uh, Toronto, not much really. We talked about Gary Trent. Jakob Pirtles minutes are on the board. San Antonio, Devin Vassell hurt his groin; he's expected to miss a few weeks. We'll see if anybody steps up there. I doubt anybody just drops right into his stuff it's probably just more for the other regulars which maybe then is enough to kind of push those guys into a better positioning i'd also like to see more trey jones because he's been one of their best players so far and obviously a big 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 game out of wemby yesterday warriors we talked about calves we talked about or did we did we talk about the Cavs? yeah we did charlotte dallas memphis portland all right that's all 30 And that's your weekend preview, and that means that we can now finally take a couple of questions as we approach the one-hour mark. Oh, boy. Let's see how many of these we get through. Hey, before I take questions, reminder, if you're listening to the show, come join us live next time, or if you're watching after the fact, and then you, too, perhaps, can throw your stuff into the YouTube chat as soon as the room is open, as soon as I open the video, basically, as soon as I create it in StreamYard, the chat room opens immediately. And the people up at the top are going to get priority on that one. Uh, Also, do find me on social. I know new people are going to be finding this show on YouTube. This is just the way it works. Someone's going to find it that wasn't there before. You're going to hopefully subscribe. And I hope you guys will come find me over on social. I know I've said it three times, but it is going to be one of the most important things you do because we have work to do over there all weekend long. Let's start the questions. Dan, would you consider trading away Jaron Jackson and Austin Reeves for Damian Lillard in 9-cat Roto? Yes, I would if it doesn't obliterate your team's build. Bruce Brown has been mildly underwhelming. Do you think that's because of early season, lack of Halliburton, getting to the team stuff, or is he droppable? I'm going to hang on there. I think that he ends up being just barely inside the top 100, and that's worth it for me. If we just look at the numbers and ignore the ethics, what do you think Miles Bridges' rest-of-season value is in 9-cat? Is it worth dropping a guy like Austin Reeves? No, I would not drop Austin Reeves, because I think he's going to be 90 range or better the rest of the way. He kind of woke up in this last ballgame. Yes, Bridges does belong on rosters. Ugh, I'm not adding him, though. I've, just, I've sort of put my foot down. I said, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way to win this season without him. But... I think you can pretty safely assume he'll be fantasy relevant. I don't know how long it takes him to get there. Remember, he hasn't played in a damn long time, but eventually he probably does. Opinion on a Jalen Johnson for DeAnthony Melton trade. I think I'd rather go Jalen Johnson right now. What is the future of Herb Jones and Emmanuel Quickly in points leagues? Both just ended up on my league's waiver wires. I think I'd rather have Quickly in a points format because Herb... He's going to get a lot of his value from those steals and blocks, and I know that they are valued in points leagues, but if he's not scoring, if he's not assisting, if he's not rebounding, it's really hard to get enough, whereas with Quickly, he's a little bit the opposite side. He's going to score. He's going to get a few boards. He's going to get a few assists, but you know he's going to chuck up shots, and that creates a safer points league floor. Roto Games cap. Do I drop Bruce Brown for Trey Jones? Yes. For our favorite Roto expert, aw, oh, you make me blush, would you drop any of the following for Keegan Murray? De'Anthony Melton, Shaden Sharp, Malcolm Brogdon, Mark Williams, John Morant, or Cam Johnson? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think I might drop D'Anthony Melton for Keegan Murray. It would have been Malcolm Brogdon, except with Scoot out now, he's got all the room in the world to start to operate. If you're thinking later on in the season, it's definitely Brogdon because his role is going to get smaller every two weeks. So uh, looking way down the line, probably Brogdon. If it's got to be right this second, it's Morant, because he's not playing, or Melton, who hasn't been good enough yet. Uh, But probably Brogdon, if you're taking the long view. Who should I target in exchange for Ben Simmons to boost my free throws and threes? Uh... Well, look, Ben Simmons is ranked 93 right now. People, I think, probably believe he's been better than that, but he's also gone one for four at the free throw line, so that's been troublesome for him. Seven points, 10 boards, seven assists. He's been very Draymond Greeny to this point. Uh, and if you're targeting three pointers for him, I would say, uh, honestly, Max Struess probably isn't a bad target, and you could probably get him if you want somebody with a little more name power. Uh, who's that guy? Uh, I would have said Devin Vassell, but he just got hurt. <sighs> Clay? Maybe you could get Clay Thompson for him? How'd I do? Is Mo Wagner going to go on a top 90 run? And is Jonathan Isaac going to get 20 minutes? For Wagner, I'm going to say probably. And for Isaac, I'm going to say probably not. Should I trade Cade Cunningham for Scotty Barnes? His field goal percent and turnovers are killing me to the point that I had to bench him. Well, here's the thing. Um, Cade is Cade, and he's not going to average five and a half turnovers a game, but he very well might shoot 41% for the season. And this is why I did not draft him anywhere, not one place. I thought he would take a step forward from that 90 range. And I still think that that's a distinct possibility because his defensive stats haven't come around yet. Uh, But right now, it does really look like Scotty Barnes is going to be the safer play. Now, Scotty's number 11. That's probably not going to hold. He's at two and point, almost three defensive stats a game and 21 points, 10 boards, two threes and six assists is crazy. Uh But I have no problem, actually, with this trade. Because Cade was not a guy I was targeting in drafts. And I do think that the bottom, we've seen the bottom fall out now. Uh, At the same time, this is sort of a trademark uh, sell low, buy high scenario. So not usually what you want to do when it comes to the stock market. But um, I think those guys probably end up not all that far from one another. So overall, I don't really mind that much. Dan Bird says, I'll be the wet blanket on DeAndre Hunter. The field goal and steals numbers are definitely coming down. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. But I still think he can stay inside the top 100, just not top 40. Razor says, people treat you analysts like prophets. You're just telling us what makes sense based on analytics. Nothing is certain. Yeah, this is true. We're just doing our best. Um, But I did have a rant earlier this week where I, I do believe that And I have to have a little bit of confidence, so I hope this doesn't come off like me being a little bit of a dickhead. But I do think that I am better at this than a lot of people. Call it 98%. I'm sure there's 2% of people that are better at this than me, but probably not as good at broadcasting. Um, And the reason I think I'm better is because I stare at this crap all day, all the time, for all, like, you know, as an analyst for six or seven years, and as a player for, you know, a decade and a half before that. So, yeah, I feel like I'm pretty good. Um, but again, it is all about interpreting. So we try to give percentage chances of things, which is sometimes a number we're, we're pulling out of our rectum, but, uh, I think there is a reason to hang with analysts on this stuff, but everything needs to be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt because we're not going to be right a hundred percent of the time. We're going to be right, hopefully more than most people playing fantasy sports, but not all the time. Thoughts on Denny Avdia. Is he worth an add in 12-teamers? Well, he's gotten off to a pretty good start this year. He's at number 90 in 9-cat. I think the field goal percent might come down a little bit. The turnovers are really low for him compared to what we saw late last year. Um, You know what? I'm actually okay with it. If you want to add him and see what happens, go for it. We got a question about De Anthony Melton, but I think I talked about him en- enough. Should I drop Nas Reed for Josh Richardson? Uh, they each have about the same probability chance of hitting, so I'm going to say doesn't matter. Go with whichever player's stats you think you'll like more. I have to drop either Isaiah Stewart or Herb Jones to make room for Time Lord. Who are you chucking away? Stewart. He's always you know, 150, and he's playing well right now, so... Why do you like Suggs but not Talon, Horton, Tucker? They seem to be very similar. One is a better rebounder, the other better passer, but they're both borderline players in the average categories. Um, Well, THT's turnovers are going to always be way higher if they're not right now. Um, THT is significantly worse, actually, in the percentages. That's the key here. Suggs, uh, we're seeing a nice little step forward. And even if you look at um, when he hadn't, taken much of a step forward. The nice thing about Jalen Suggs is that, no, he doesn't really shoot many free throws, but uh, it does seem like there's a chance he took a step forward. I think we've seen more than enough out of THT. Also, I think Suggs is a better defender than Taylor Norton Tucker, Um, and I just think that the... Yes, if we even if if I give you, by the way, that the averages for the two guys are going to be about the same, Horton Tuckers are going to hurt you more because he's going to be doing more of them. He's one of those guys where efficiency is actually more important than having more stuff to chuck. Where with Suggs, we just want him out on the court rebounding and assisting and stealsing and doing that kind of stuff. With THT, we'd prefer he's just out there getting assists and steals, but instead he's out there tanking stuff. Hopefully that makes some sense. I am running out of vocal strength. If you had Trey Young and PG and offered Siakam and LaMelo, do you accept the trade? Uh I would prefer That's a tu- that's a fair trade. That's a fair trade. A little bit of a buy low on LaMelo, but also Trey Young is you know, both of those guys were overdrafted because they get assists. Paul George is better than Siakam, but can he stay healthy? <sighs> That's fair. That's a fair deal. Max Strus or Gordon Hayward? I'll go Strus on this one because I am worried about Miles Bridges cutting into the Hayward stuff, even if right this second, Hayward is putting up better numbers. Should I drop Kobe White for Josh Richardson? Yes. Mitchell Robinson or Anyeka Okongwu in a punt points build? Um, I'm okay either way. I think both these guys could end up near 70. Maybe Mitch Rob then because he's terrible at scoring. Uh, you're not going to be sad either, either direction though. This there's not a big winner there. Who could I trade Kyle Kuzma for pickup? I honest to goodness, I have no idea. Kuzma. Again, we haven't really seen what the Wizards are. He's been shooting the ball really well so far this year. He's ranked number 40. That number's going to come down as the field goal and free throw percent dips for Kuz. But I think if you could get somebody drafted near 60 that's maybe underperforming a little bit, like a Jalen Williams in in Thundertown, uh, or just look at your your draft results and try to find somebody drafted near 60 that's not playing as well as we expect and that's kind of the direction I would go there. Should I drop Kobe White for Cole Anthony? Yes. I traded Gordon Hayward for Clay Thompson. Is this a good deal in a points league? Yeah, I'm good with that. That's safety. Drop Buddy Healed for Gordon Hayward? I'm fine with that. What do you think about Carter Bulls getting 25-30 to 30 night? Javon Carter? I don't care. Thoughts on Kessler and Pirtle? Buy low on Kessler... A little worried on Pirtle. Uh He's number 150. Steals and blocks should improve, specifically the steals for Pirtle, but I am a little bit worried because it doesn't seem like his minutes are as guaranteed as we hoped. Are you dropping quickly or jaw or Gafford for Okongwu? That's quickly's the drop. Can someone give me the Discord link? The one in the description isn't working. Damn it, again?! I thought I switched it to the right one. Confound it. I really thought I switched it. Um, let's make sure that I get the right one in there. I'm going to get the right damn Discord link in the description. I Don't know why that isn't working. I switched it yesterday. Make sure that saves. I'm going to post it in the chat room right now as well as I'm talking about it. And what I'm probably going to forget to do is post it in the show description over on itunes and spotify but i'm very sorry dude i i don't know why that keeps happening there's the discord link i'm gonna put it up on the screen for about five seconds here while i'm scrolling back up to the last question i i don't know why that that isn't working right uh i'm having a hard time dropping gary trent jr yeah you can give him a little bit longer if you want i just think he's gonna end up a drop Which level of player is good to trade for Jimmy Butler? Top 70? No, you're going to have to probably do better than that to pride Jimmy Butler off somebody who took him end of the second, early third. You're going to probably want to go for somebody you draft. I mean, if you have somebody you drafted in the 70s that's in the 40s right now, that might be a way to do it. Um, I think LeBron is an interesting one. He's 38, but everybody's talking about how great he's been. Because the counting stats have been huge, even if the percentage or the turnovers and the free throw percent have been weighing you down. But look, if you're not, if you're punting free throws or punting turnovers, that's a different situation. Um, Who else would maybe get it done? I don't think DeMar gets it done. I don't think Rudy Gobert gets it done. Maybe you could pair Gobert with somebody. Uh, McCollum paired up with somebody from like the 70, 80 range might get it done. You're going to have to go higher than that, though. Kevon Looney or Mitchell Robinson? That's Mitch Rob. Wendell Carter Jr. or Santi Aldama? Wendell, but probably neither. Nine cat punting threes. Do I trade DeJounte Murray for Jimmy Butler? Yes. If you're punting threes, that's a yes. Drop Kevon Looney or Walker Kessler for Mitchell Robinson? That's a drop. Kavon Looney drop. Kevon Looney. Should I trade Maxie and Zach Levine for Anthony Davis or Maxie and Reeves for Ayton and Poole? Get me Anthony Davis, man. You can get yourself a top three fantasy player that way. That's huge. Should I trade Jalen Williams for Jimmy Butler? Yes. Tyus Jones or Chris Paul tonight? I need field goal percent and threes. Well, I don't know that either of them hits a three, and I don't know that either of them is going to help your field goal percent. I'll go Tyus Jones. Give me the Wizards to keep a freaking game close. I just got offered Kyrie for Tyrese Maxey. Wow. Yes, take Kyrie. I, liked, I love Tyrese, but this is a... Yeah, you gotta go get a first-rounder. What are your thoughts on Bradley Beal? Top 60 once he's playing per game. I always... I always have a question about your podcast. What's up with what's up with the sexy woman voice at the beginning? It's totally not your style. Oh, so you're talking about the recorded one. So that is a lady we paid $5 to on Fiverr back in 2016 and we just left it. It feels weird for me to be doing the the um the voiceover at the beginning of my own podcast, but I'll tell you what putting it out there into the universe right now. If you guys, if anybody listening to this show knows somebody famous or has a famous voice, I would be more than happy to replace the woman at the front of the recorded pod with that. But I don't know. What other reason would I have to change it? Is Tillman a drop? We talked about him earlier. Scroll all the way back. Should I drop Clarkson quickly or Dinwiddie? Uh, Probably Clarkson, maybe quickly, not Dinwiddie. I drafted Jalen Johnson with the last pick, but he doesn't fit my team build. What do you think are good players to target in a trade? Uh, you're not going to get that much yet. People still haven't fully bought in on it. You might have been able to get like top 80 after his first big breakout game, but now you're going to need like a month of solid effort, and then you might be able to get that top 80. Is it bad to have too many players from one team? Nah, it's fine. Honestly, Uh, when one guy gets hurt, it helps the other guys on your own club. I don't really worry that that much about it uh, other than if they have a terrible playoff schedule. That's the reason you'd get crushed there. Someone offered me Marcus Smart for Jalen Duran. No, keep Duran. Should I drop Tillman for Wagner? I'm fine with that. Go get somebody who could go on a heater. Kyle Kuzma or Jared Allen? Roto. Uh, Give me Jared Allen, I think. Oh, nice try, buddy. I'm not reading that one on air. JJJ and Sharp for Halliburton. Yeah, give me Tyrese. I have Giannis, Ant, etc. 9-cat team by Selling Max. You should I uh, I'm confused by this question. Sorry, I don't have any idea. I paid $75 for Fab to pick up Mo Wagner. Did I overspend? Yes. Although, if your Fab budget replenishes, then you didn't, but... I mean, Wendell's coming back at some point. I wouldn't spend that much on somebody who has, like, a month-long shelf life. I'm going to get to the end of these damn questions, people. I want to open up a center spot by trading Cat. Who should I target? Someone in the top 35. Easy peasy. (laughs) I'm new here. That chart in the back looks like it's from years back. Why do you still have that as a background? Because I live in a two-bedroom apartment in West Los Angeles where my children share a room about 15 feet that way that used to be my office and so this is my bedroom this is a board this is a poster board that I've jammed into the bed frame that blocks you guys from seeing the crap on the other side of it at some point I'm going to learn how to do a green screen behind me because I just got a computer that can handle it but right now I think the board is hilarious so I leave it up I also have a bag of everybody else's sticker so like I could just start slapping other names on it but that feels like ruining something real Someone dropped Zach Collins. How much fab should I spend out of a hundred? Call it twenty three. Do Tillman and Lively belong in starting lineups today? I'm not. What would we have to give up to get Victor Wembanyama right now? Some of your internal organs. In a deep league, who do I try and target for Ky- with Kyle Anderson? Uh, nothing right now. He's he's off to a slow start. This is not the time to move. Do we start Mo Wagner in Roto in his next game, or should we check his minutes before we decide? I only have 10 starting spots, so I really want top 100 value. Um, I'm probably going to start him, but I have no problem if you want to hang on. Halliburton for Donovan Mitchell, uh, I prefer Tyrese. Thoughts on Monk, Dylan the Villain, Oubre, and Bogdan rest of season? While I talked about Monk, I talked about Brooks, and I talked about Oubre at the beginning of the show, so scroll on back to that. Bogdan Bogdanovich, I'm not interested in. Should I drop Kevon Looney or Jalen Suggs for Mo Wagner? I think you could probably drop Looney. He's just the, like He's the same guy forever and ever and ever. He's number 71 right now because Draymond wasn't around. We know he's going to eventually fall back into that, like, 120 to 140 stream for rebounds range at the end of it all. Quickly ended up on my waivers. Should I grab for somebody like Fultz or Tillman? Points League. I think you could grab him for Tillman. Cam Johnson just got dropped. How much $100 fab should I spend to pick him up? 31. You got to go 30 or higher. He's going to be so good when he plays. 14-teamer, Scoot Henderson is on the wire. Should I take him with my second waiver position? Eh, only if you're willing to wait until January to get useful fantasy production because it's going to be a long learning curve here. F- punting field goal and turnover, who should I target by selling Maxi? Oh, okay, now I get it. Um, you need rebounds and assists. I can't give you an exact player, but I can tell you that Tyrese Maxi is being valued right now. Uh, not as a first-rounder. I know he's in the first round over his first four games, but he's probably being valued as a top 25 play, Uh, meaning that you could probably target a field goal guy, a rebounds assist guy in the high 20s, early 30s, and you'd probably get them. I don't know who those guys are. Uh, There aren't that many that I would want rest of season. Like, I don't think you can get Demonis Sabonis. He probably got drafted too high for you to get him. Um, you're probably not. You probably don't want Kawhi. You may have to just choose whether you want rebounds or assists and then look for somebody who is kind of ranked between 25 and 45 that you think stays there. Uh, or you could look at somebody who is in, like, the 50s and expect them to come up a little bit like a Jimmy Butler. Eh? Is Austin Reeves a buy low? Yeah, I mean, if you think so, because I thought he had a pretty damn good ball game last time. But if you think he's still a buy low, I would do it. Would you give up a late first or early second for Victor Wimbanyama? Not yet, no. Shall we worry with the false injury? Seems like a week-long recovery. I'm not going to worry yet. Not until somebody gives me a reason to. Do you discuss points league content? Not specifically... When I get to guys that are terrible in percentages or 1% and turnovers, I try to throw in the little note that, okay, maybe points leagues, this could be more interesting, like we talked about Taylor Horton Tucker earlier in the show, but we're not going to have like a show dedicated to a points league because I think you all need to move over to categories, but I am going to give you tidbits as we go um, because the vast majority of players out there play um, 9-cat, 12-team head-to-head. Kobe White is about to play a back to back. I'd hold at least until after that. Sure, that's fine if you want to stream. That's fine. Um, but I'm I'm much more interested in what guys are going to do for me the rest of the year and so that's the direction I'm going to go with them. And 82 minutes into this show, I am officially pulling the plug. I did a bad job of saving my voice. But thank the good Lord I brought this bigger jug of water cuz that was really helpful today. No coughing fits. Hey, I don't want to say that you owe me, but follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Like, rate, subscribe. On the way out, uh, we got stuff we'll be tweeting about over the weekend. Probably no shows over the weekend, but again, if you want to get me on social, that's the way, the place to go. Do it. I did throw the Discord link up on the board earlier. I'd also like to point out that the Fantasy Pass, which is only six bucks, has all kinds of amazing crap in it this year that you guys need to check out. And I owe it to the good folks at manscaped.com because my Lawnmower 5.0 did finally arrive yesterday. This thing is sweet. So look, it comes in this case. Uh, Everybody that's listening doesn't get the full impact of this. There it is right there. Let me pop it out for you. It actually, I'll turn it on, but it has multiple light settings this year. There's the blade. You can hear it buzzing. There's low light, high light, and off. So you got multiple light settings on it. This is the 5.0. It comes with these guards. It comes actually with an attachment if you want to get a tighter shave here. That's what this attachment is. So I know I got got a handyman. I'm having trouble getting it out on the fly. But now I have this that can do the same thing. And underneath, look at that secret compartment. There's the charger cable. And there's a travel bag on the inside of that thing. Look at this bad boy. This is sweet. I can't wait to try this out because I am looking a little bit unkempt by the end of this week. Manscaped.com. The Lawnmower 5.0. What a beautiful way to celebrate Thanksgiving. This year I give thanks for the fact that I can shave my face. This thing is sweet. Ethos20 is the promo code there. Ethos20, 20, Ethos20, 20, 20% off, free shipping. Get the Lawnmower 5.0. Look at that. It says the word ultra, and it is ultra. This thing is freaking sweet. I can't wait to try it out ethos 2 2-0, 20% off and free shipping over at manscaped.com. I'll be reminding you about that next week. Again, likely no shows over the weekend, but definitely tweeting over the weekend. I am Dan Vespers, exhausted. This was Fantasy NBA Today. We'll see you guys soon.